podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host Daniel Bigelow. And Daniel, the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. How you feeling? Yeah, baby. Yes, they are. What a day. What a morning. Good morning, America. Good morning, San Francisco. We're going to the Super Bowl. We woke up this morning and we were not dreaming timmy did you think you were dreaming at all this morning no i did not because in my dream we would not have been down by 17 points going into the halftime fair point touche touche yeah what What? a game what a game that's all we can say that's all we've been saying many of things to to talk about from it but (laughs) quite literally every time i've talked with anybody in the last 12 hours what a game. So I think what, to what I keep talk about it. What I keep coming back is back to is Brock Purdy is that guy, Daniel. I'm thinking we leave the sh- lead the show with that. Maybe not the best first half, but I just think I want to talk about some narratives that have been out there for about the 49ers and Brock Purdy this season. Starting with, you know, Brock Purdy's just a game manager. He can't lead a comeback. He can't come from behind. Well, he came from behind last week, and he did it again this week. And if you want to talk about being a game manager, do you know who had the second most rushing yards on the 49ers and the third most rushing yards in the entire game, Daniel? I have a guess. That would be Brock Purdy <laughs> with 48 rushing yards on five attempts. I think each of those attempts was for a first down. The longest yeah, was 21 man. yards, and and Debo Samuel himself admitted that if he hadn't bumped into Brock while trying to block for him, Brock probably would have found his way into the end zone. This guy is yeah, that, something that else, my friend. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. I mean, so cool seeing him average 9.6 yards per attempt. That's awesome. Brock is not a a running quarterback, uh, as opposed to like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, all those guys. Um, George Kittle, I think I've said before, what I love about, or one thing I love about post game is watching players press conferences. It's my favorite. And if you're if you don't want to watch them all, that's fine. It takes like an hour to watch them all, so I get that. Watch George Kittle's. They're very quick. It's never even 10 minutes. He doesn't take too many questions, but, man, he gives everything to his answers. And he was describing Brock Purdy running. I don't know what they're called. I don't remember. I don't think George did either. The little, like, flies that kind of, like, bounce or skip across the water. He was describing Brock Purdy as one of those. I saw that. It's totally true. Yeah, he's like, Brock Purdy just scampers. He's a scamperer. He scampers across the field. Just like this thing scampers across the water. <laughs> like, what what a comparison for George Kittle to make of Brock Purdy. But it's not completely wrong. Brock looks good when he runs. Man, he had some open room. He doesn't normally do it. So I think the Lions were like, we don't have to worry about that. And Brock was able to go, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity. 
and I'm, I'm going to run it up the middle multiple times. It was awesome. So fun to see. Fun to see him be the second rusher by far on this Niners offense. Seriously. And, and that was something that I, I think as 49ers fans, we've known was present in Brock Purdy's game, right? Like we've known Purdy had that ability, but it hasn't, um, but it, it hasn't necessarily shown on the national stage. Like we've known that that was a difference between Purdy and Garoppolo and these other guys we've seen in the Kyle Shanahan system. But it, Purdy had not really had a chance to really own it and, and show it in a game. And I honestly think maybe his best scramble, Daniel, was the one on the the toe touch, the toe touch catch to use check for the first down, where he oh, just spun yeah. right out of a sack and and scrambled out of the pocket and hit hit juice for the first down. That was that was incredible. Dude, it was unreal. Um, I don't know how many people will get this, but Timmy, so you know our good friends that we don't know but love, the fantasy footballers? Oh, uh, we know them. Totally. I wish they knew us, but um, you know the one of the drops that they have? It's it's a drop of Mike yelling what? bit like a higher-pitched voice. I, I don't even want to try it. I can't do it. It's like, what? Like that's like the drop that he has or something. Are you I, sure that's not just him saying what? I always thought it was just him. Oh, I thought it was a drop because it's so consistent. If it's not a drop, good job, Mike. You were so consistent. I swear it was a drop. I'll have to. I'm gonna totally look up one be. of their it YouTube totally videos and I'm gonna see if he does it. But um, I that was my reaction when Brock Purdy was able to evade that sack. I totally thought he was going down, and then. <laughs> He gets away for a split second, and then we see an open Kyle Juszczyk, and I'm like, this is so cool. Please connect with him. And the fullback does a beautiful toe-tap to keep that ball in bounds was legendary. But that would have never happened if Brock wasn't able to get away in the first place. And you know, everyone who who might be calling Brock a game manager still, here's, here's a quote I have for you. From postseason NFL countdown on ESPN, our very own, our very loved Alex Smith said the following. As the unofficial president of the Game Managers Club, Brock Purdy's not allowed in. (laughs) Bro, that's funny. Alex Smith I love that so much. He's got some funny things, but yeah, I I am I am sick and tired of uh Brock Purdy's slander, and I'm I'm just done with it. Today is the first and last day. Sorry, yesterday was the the last day. Today is the first day of I don't I don't listen to it. I don't believe in it. None of it is real because I woke up this morning or even just last night and I'm looking on I'm looking on Bleach Report, all the notifications, all this stuff and I'm seeing some people say uh sorry, let me pull up the exact quote. There it is. Uh <laughs> Purdy is officially elite. And I go, great. They're recognizing that he's elite. It's taken until it's taken a full year or even over a year since he was good before last year's NFC championship game, but he's back and now he's elite. Not when his first full regular season is the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. He broke their passing record. No, that won't make him elite, but winning this game does. I think it adds to his repertoire, the comeback, but then the next post is saying that Purdy is going to have to play the game of his life in Vegas. And I'm just like, are, are they blaming him for this, the 
I said a slow start, but the the beating that the first half was, because that most certainly he didn't was miss on the our kick. defense in my mind. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't miss, miss every tackle. Exactly. So I don't know what in the world. I know fans and analysts look to the quarterback for a lot of things, but I think we need to chill with that because there's only so much the man can do, and if he's not getting any help around him, that's that's just unacceptable to look to him every time. So. I just don't understand, and I, I think that we should never doubt again where Purdy is. Sure, he is going to have bad games because he's human, but I just don't get where guys like, you know, the top dogs, Pat, Lamar, Josh, uh, even Jalen Hurts, when they have bad games, no one's going, oh, maybe they're not that good. No one's doing that. And I understand those guys have been good for a longer time than Purdy, but Purdy's had better numbers it's been the same level, and yet every time Purdy has a bad game, they're like, oh, yep, they're screwed. He's not it. He's washed. Or this is like, you know, he's a game manager, and when he steps outside of that, he can't do it. And I just I just don't – I don't know. I think people who are still down for the Purdy slander are either just bitter and hate the Niners, and this is what they're going to do. And you see that in sports, right? I always use Steph Curry as the example. Anyone who doesn't think he's the greatest shooter of all time, it's like, okay – you just have a problem with the Warriors. Like, it's what he does is unreal. It's fact. I'm not saying Brock Purdy is the, the Steph Curry of the NFL. That's a wild comparison. But you can't deny the stats. You can't deny the outcome. You can't deny how good he is. And so if we're saying that he's not elite, it's this, 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 I just the, – uh, the lack of intelligence is showing at this point. I here's, here's what I don't understand. I – I think Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback. I've done a full 180 this season. This this game was the cherry on top to me. I think he deserves to be, if not in the top tier, in the second or third tier. I think he's an elite quarterback. He's clearly, I, I think he's the best quarterback the 49ers have had in my lifetime. I'll include Colin Kaepernick in that. And I yeah, think he is just a truly, truly great quarterback. But I can understand if you want to have the debate of how much credit goes to Shanahan, how much credit goes to the talented players around him. I'll, like, I'll have that debate. What I can't understand is guys who won't root for him. Like, there's people out here on Twitter, like, who are just really, really actively rooting against Purdy. And and maybe it's just dislike of the 49ers, but how can you not Gotta root be. against a guy who was the last pick in the draft, became a starter after first two guys are injured, are injured, and then just played at this elite level? Like, it's a guy to root for. He hasn't had the level Bro. of dominance that, like, Tom Brady got, but this is a classic underdog story. And by all yeah. accounts, like, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. So I don't understand why people are actively rooting for him to fail. I think there's a legitimate debate of how much credit he deserves. I think more goes to him because I watched a lot of 49er football with the same offense and different guys. But I understand that you can disagree with me on that. But I don't understand actively wanting him to fail. Like He seems like a great guy, and it's just a classic underdog story. I don't understand not wanting him to be successful. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, and I think, you know... That's some of the sad parts of the world we live in, but there will be a documentary, and nothing has been announced, but there will be a documentary on Brock Purdy. Never has the NFL ever seen Mr. Irrelevant go to winning or going, even just going to, I want to make predictions and, and say what it could be, but even just going to the Super Bowl in its first full season as a starting quarterback. Like, that is unreal. Kurt Warner was an undrafted free agent, 
and is one of the greatest quarterbacks is in that that top list. Kurt is really the only guy who's comparable. Jake Delhomme also undrafted and and started a Super Bowl. Yeah, yes, totally. And he, and he was good, but I just I think that Purdy on is on track to far outplay him. Um I th- I think Kurt to sorry, uh Brock to Kurt Warner like uh career expectancy could be a very very comparable look. And so I, I, there will be an incredible story about him. It's incredibly fun, and I just, you know, anybody who is, isn't about it, there's there's something behind that, right? So what Brock is able to do with where he was drafted in the amount of time, it's not just, like, I would love, I don't know Kurt Warner's career path well enough, but I know he's bounced around. I would love to look at how quickly was Kurt elite because Brock is elite immediately. In his first full season, we could have been the same thing that we're talking about him Kurt, now. Kurt Warner, his second about. season, his second season won a Super Bowl. So Kurt Warner is That's the guy bonkers. who's comparable, I would say. Well, maybe Brock Purdy is going to do the exact same thing, but we could have been saying this exact same thing last year after the NFC Championship game if his arm was not hit and he didn't tear his UCL. UCL. We could have been saying the same thing. He might have done it in his absolute first year. So that that to me is case for everything. You know, we, we used to talk about it more, but I love that you brought back up. Brock Purdy is not just a system quarterback because we have seen other quarterbacks who are supposed to be skilled in this system, and it wasn't working. So that's that's what we got there. Uh, we, we could do the Purdy talk all day. I think that it the this Purdy slander needs to stop. So let's move on, would you say, Timmy, to some of the other guys, some of the the overall game. Um, let us talk about that comeback. 17 yes, point let's comeback. talk about the comeback. This is this is a comeback we will be talking about for years. This is one of the best that Niners fans have seen in recent time. But wait, wait, Daniel. Daniel, you said comeback, and I've been told that the 49ers can only win when they're ahead, and that Kyle Shanahan teams aren't built to come from behind. So what's going mm. on? Are you saying there's more slander that was proven wrong in this game yet again? Yeah, and last week? Yeah. Down 17 points at the half. The 49ers came out at halftime and just, they were a different team and they just steamrolled them for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, What I think, I mean, we could. T- there's so many things to talk about this. Um, We'll talk more about this specific thing next week as we preview the Super Bowl. But that comeback is is quite literally what happened in 2019 versus the team we're about to go play in the Super Bowl just flipped, right? So the fact that this is happening, the fact that we were able to have a big comeback in a in a win-now game against a, a stellar team, I definitely was dogging the Lions' defense more than I should have. And I definitely gave the Lions' offense respect, maybe not as much as it deserved because they certainly came out roaring. Um but that is the most encouraging thing I could possibly imagine is the, the Niners coming back like that late in the second half of the game, later in the game, as that just happened to us, well, just five years ago now, but against the team we're about to go play. Like, that is so encouraging to me. So we'll we'll debrief that part specifically more next week as we look to the Chiefs versus the Niners in the Super Bowl. But... 
Timmy, walk me through your thoughts, your feelings, your analysis of the first half, the one where it looked like our whole season meant nothing. Yeah, I didn't did like it. Up. I did not yeah. like it, Sam I am. Um, <laughs> mainly because they could not stop the run. They could not tackle to save their lives. Purdy, I, I thought the offense, I, I was never too upset about the offense. Uh, the missed kick... I feel like that's just baked into the cake at this point that Jake Moody's going to miss a kick. Brock's interception was tipped. Like, I don't know. I, I knew the offense would find its rhythm. What was concerning me was the defense was getting bullied for the first half. Bullied. Brutal. Like, I felt like I was back back in middle school when my brother was putting me in a trash can. That's how it felt like Dan Campbell was doing that to me. And just unreal to see the ways that it's hard because I'm watching and I'm like okay I don't really feel like the the Niners are making too many mistakes on defense they're just not doing anything well and I you know as you said there were some tackles that were missed and like that is a mistake there were some reads that were incorrect or late but this defense has to be better the whole 60 minutes of the game we can't just say okay you know, we're going to go out there for the first half and do whatever, see how it goes, and then really turn it on second half. Like, we got to we gotta be able to come out stronger. Uh, Fred Warner gave an awesome pregame yeah, I mean, speech, we'll, as he does. We'll dive into this when we do our full Super Bowl preview next week, but I don't – I would be pretty – like, if, if these games – if that game starts the way the last two playoff games have started, I'm worried. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, fun thing. Did you see, you had to have seen the fun highlight where George Kittle pancaked Aiden Hutchison. George Kittle is the best. The best, man. So, uh, some of these offensive stats, just to, to go off, we'll kind of get back into the recap, and I'll throw out some stats to you. Brock Purdy threw the ball 31 times. Pretty classic, 20 completions for 267 yards, touchdown, interception, and had a quarterback rating of 89. Not bad. Christian McCaffrey, 20 attempts, 90 yards, two touchdowns. Elijah Mitchell got a touchdown. So, speaking of Christian McCaffrey, Timmy, you saw the play where he landed on his dome, right on the top yeah, of his Yeah, that was head. scary. So scary. And then was just getting his neck worked on. And then Elijah Mitchell came in to score the touchdown. Which is cool. I love that we can just get a guy, hey, next man up, boom, first play, muscles his way into the end zone. But I'm just watching. I mean, that was such a scary play. Christian McCaffrey landed directly on the top of his head, and I was thinking concussion, but obviously the jolt more so to his neck and his back. And he's getting worked on right at the end of that. And he came back. I don't know how many plays he got afterwards, but it definitely, you know, he was in pain as they were working on his neck. So I'm curious to see some reports on that in the next day or two and see how he's doing. I don't think, I want to knock on wood before I say this, I don't think there were any, you know, Dre Greenlaw was injured. I never really heard about what happened to his arm or shoulder, but he came back in. So everybody seems healthy. But... You never. I feel like we never truly know until we'll see a report here. Um, I'll finish off the receiver stats. Debo Samuel, eight receptions for 89 yards. Brendan Ayuk, eight targets 
only three receptions. There was a stretch where Purdy and Ayuk were really not connecting, but that touchdown, well, his touchdown was great, but that that miracle catch, we're calling it, was legit. Uh, <laughs> Timmy, walk us through Walk us through that incredible Brandon Ayuk catch. I wanted to I wanted to read that up because if you didn't see the catch, Brandon Ayuk was, was covered. There might have been some pass interference, but I'm not sure if Purdy missed or, or what happened. But they were kind of both going to the ground, and the ball was coming straight to the to the Lions. I think it was the safety to the Lions defensive back, and it, it looked like it was going to be an interception. It, it was pretty scary, and then it hit him in the face mask, bounced up, and Ayuk grabbed the ball, rolled forward, came down with the catch. For a second, it looked like he actually got into the end zone because you thought he wasn't down by contact but replay proved that wrong but what are the all-time amazing it bounced off the lions guys face mask and into Ayuk's hands just an incredible catch uh, george kittle in that same press conference you, yep. you talked about loving so much daniel said yeah that, that's just how we drew it up off his face mask and into ba's hands but just an awesome awesome play and people are going to say you know Purdy missed the throw you got to be lucky but if you're going to be lucky you got to take shots and that was something the 49ers offense didn't have before Purdy. Seriously, we uh, we would see it happen sometimes with Jimmy Garoppolo, and you know the feeling. He drops back, we see him throw a deep ball, and we cringe. We we assume the worst. We do it. I feel bad making fun of this because I think it was taken out of context, and I feel bad for him, but we do the same thing Matt LaFleur does when his kicker goes out there. We just pray. Yeah, and that's I all think... You, that's all you can I'm, do with Jimmy. Yeah, not having Jimmy is just, I think it's taken some significant amounts of stress out of my life. And all I can say is, sure and has. I think you felt this, Daniel, anytime Jimmy Garoppolo scrambled in the pocket, anytime he moved, you just had this gut-wrenching, oh no, this is not going to be good. And anytime Brock Purdy moves, you just think to yourself, this is going to be awesome. And that is the Seriously. biggest difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. For real. And you know what? Another uh, big difference, <laughs> what I loved is, so the first half, the Niners were getting carved up like a Thanksgiving turkey. Like the Lions are used to, well, they're probably used to watching other people eat it more, except they got it this year. But uh, interviews after the game, I don't remember who it was, but I was talking to Nick Bosa. And they're like, hey, take me, to the, take me through the locker room conversation. Who spoke up? What was said? And how did you guys come out and light this next game up? And Nick Bosa goes, well, I actually said something. And my, my reaction again is like Mike going, what? Nick Bosa said something? Uh, and he just was plainly saying, do your job. Go out there and do your job. You take away one guy, everybody does their job. We've got it covered. And I can just picture, picture the locker room, picture all the players you know, all the guys you like just sitting around at their lockers, and Nick Boak, because obviously Kyle Shanahan is who talks at halftime, and as well Fred Warner, I, I've heard from the players, he is the player to always speak. I think he is the true team captain. And Nick Bosa gets a chance to speak up, and it's one of those things where you guys all have a friend or someone who doesn't talk a lot, but when they do, you listen. Nick Bosa oh, speaks yeah. up and goes like, do your job. Go out there and do your job. And obviously, and you know what? To his credit, Bosa was doing his job all game long. Yes. He was by far the one of the only guys, it seems like. Yeah. Got two sacks. So he was all over the place when 
when it really didn't seem like uh, Goff was was getting too much pressure, Bosa had two sacks. He had three uh, solo tackles, three tackles for a loss. So he killed it. Sorry, three tackles, uh, two sacks, and two of them were tackles for a loss, both the sacks. And he was killing it. He was killing it. Uh, Chase Young had a few good tackles as well, no sacks. Um, Fred Warner, 13 total tackles. That tells you he was everywhere. And even if he had nine solo, 13 total, that means if he wasn't the first guy there, he made sure he was next. Kind of same thing with Jair Brown had 10 total. An absolute incredible Fred Warner game. It was great to see Jair Brown back out there. I think we chatted a little bit about how we weren't sure if it would be Logan Ryan or Brown. Great to see Brown back out there. He obviously had a had a phenomenal performance. Ambry Thomas, I don't know. He should have had an interception, but that was a bummer. Yeah. Chase Young, I think, had one of his well. better games as a 49er. I, I'm still hoping to see more from him. And the run defense held up great in the second half. So on the stat sheet, this guy... Looks like he barely played. Charvarius Ward had one solo tackle, and that is it. Was it a down game from him? Were they just not targeting him? I don't remember having the thought of, oh, Charvarius has made mistakes, but I'm definitely like, hey, where were you? Did what was the deal? You didn't really feels like you didn't really show up, but that might have been more just we're gonna keep this away from him. But I can't imagine that was Charvarius. Did he stick on his side or was he not with Amon Ra? I'm not sure. I couldn't tell if he if he tracked, but he may have because you had Ambry Thomas on on Jamison Williams most of the game, and that would make a lot of sense because I remember my friends and I were were shocked with how many targets Jamison Williams was was getting. So thinking about that, I mean, Amonra had 11 targets. I guess Jamison didn't have that many, but he was more involved in big moments than we expected him to be. So I wonder if uh, yeah. Traverse Ward was following Jamison Williams there for a little bit. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I just. You know, you look at this Lions offense and you look at the stats and it, it doesn't, well, I guess if you look at the receiving game, it definitely speaks to it more, but I'm like, you know, Goff threw the ball 41 times, 25 completions, only one touchdown. David Montgomery, 93 yards touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, 45 yards touchdown. James, okay, there it is. Jameson Williams, 40, his play was 42-yard touchdown. That was, that was just going yeah, all that the way was a the rough beginning. one. That was a really sad moment. Uh, absolutely. And it was, who was it? Someone, I think it was Charvarius, was grabbing on his jersey, and he was still able to break away. And it was just a heartbreaking way to start the game. I think it was Greenlaw, because he got, he actually got yes, him. Yes, you're right. And had he you're been right. on, like, the 15-yard line, he wouldn't have gotten into the end zone. But it was close enough, he was able to kind of fall in. Yeah. So, Jameson Williams, two-touchdown day. And then the... One of the one of the best running back duos in the league, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, each got a touchdown. Sam Laporta, thirteen targets. I love Sam Laporta. And again, we talked about this I think last week, or I've just been talking about it with friends throughout the weeks leading up to this game. If the if the Lions were playing anyone else, I would be rooting for the Lions hardcore man. What a fun story! I like this team. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. I love Sam Laporta. I'm not a big fan of of uh, Sauce Gardner. What's what's his? Not Sauce. Something Gardner. Because Sauce Gardner is the the Jets. Are they they're brothers? I believe. But Gardner Johnson is what I was gonna say. I thought it changed his name. 
uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. Not a big, not a big fan. Loves to talk, and I love that Debo got the clap back at him and get the last laugh. Um, but other than that, I really enjoy this this Lions team and Dan Campbell and the story that they have been, the underdogs they have been. But since the Niners are playing them, get out of the way. Um, but it was almost like, you know, it's easy to root against them when they're playing the Niners, but I, I had a lot of respect for Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta and the ways that they worked and made hey, it challenging. I'll, I'll be honest. I get it. I would have been rooting for the Lions against any other team in the NFC. If it wasn't my team, I'd be rooting for them. I get it if people are upset that the 49ers knocked off the Lions, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Dan Campbell, if it's not Kyle, I think Dan Campbell should easily be coach of the year. Dude's awesome. I think they're going to be another force next year. I don't, I don't know who they're losing on their on their roster, but I think we will see them again very easily in playoffs. So, oh, so it's just so much in this game. We can continue talking about each and every player. Um, I think it is crucial. We talked about this last week as well. The fact that Debo Samuel suited up and played is just... I cannot express how important that is in this game. Uh, I you shared, know what my you know what my favorite moment of the week leading up to the game was when they said he was healthy. When Debo said he was playing, but did you catch his press conference quote? No. Did you do you know what I'm talking about? No, I, I didn't see it. Oh, they asked. So a reporter asked Debo. She was like, "Hey, so you know, with this shoulder injury, like, how are you going to balance playing your physical style of football with protecting your?" And she's like, about to say like protecting your shoulder." Debo just cuts her off and goes, "I ain't protecting nothing." And I was like, "That that's a, is my guy." That's hilarious. I love that. Part of me says I heard that, but I, now I can't remember. But unreal. I was saying last week, like, he needs to suit up. Just based on the statistics of when we have Debo Samuel and Trent Williams healthy and playing, no matter how much they're on the field, but they're healthy is crucial. So suiting Debo up, and even if even if he is truly hurting and like he shouldn't be playing, you suit him up and you put him out there as a decoy. Again, I used the example of, I think it was week 14, whatever it was, where he was injured in his first game back. And we did an end around, a fake end around, where he's on the right side, pretty sets him in motion. He comes around, hikes the ball, fake handoffs to him. He cuts out left, but he kind of slows up like he's out of the play. And then pretty looks right. Debo's wide open on the left side of the field. Pretty cuts back left, hits Debo for an easy money touchdown. And I'm like, things like that is why you have Debo healthy. Because even if the Lions know he's hurting and he's playing, and that the Niners probably won't target him too much. They'll they'll kind of forget about him, but he's not someone you can forget about. And so you can have him there, or they do the opposite, and they go, I know we cannot forget about him, so we have to cover him. You're taking a man away, which is great. Maybe even two. So, But obviously he was healthy, and we didn't need to use him as a decoy, but that's where I was so jazzed up, is it has to be Debo healthy, decoy, half go, all go, and he was an all go and made just a huge, huge difference. I mean, nine targets, eight receptions, 89 yards in the in the air, uh, three three uh, rushing attempts that didn't result in much for him, but just so key part of the offense. So many of these guys are so 
well, all of these guys are so important in such different ways. And that's what's so beautiful. And I'm so bummed for Brock that he doesn't make millions of dollars like he deserves. But this Niners team is built around having a young quarterback that we don't have to pay yet. And so yeah. we're going to enjoy that while it lasts. And I don't know what the team's going to look like when Brock gets the money that he more than well deserves. Yeah, I think it's going to be a different team. But you know what? That's a future problem. Because right now we get to look to watching this team in the Super Bowl in two weeks. I think we've we've probably got to got to call this one, listeners. But we're so glad you're able to join us to hear our our untemp- unfiltered, unrestricted Super Bowl uh, nice. birth reactions. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad you caught that one, Daniel. Any this, any kind of final episode, words to the listeners out there? We could do this like any game recap. We could talk forever, especially this game. So. You you watched it. You know all the amazing things. Maybe you learned something new here. But if not, bask in this incredible victory. We will talk with you next week. And we will see the Niners back in two weeks. Yeah, we'll be back next week. And all I have to say, listeners, is enjoy this. These don't come that often. So enjoy these next two weeks. And stay safe out there, everyone. Bye.